sight to see tonight. We've got um, Brother Joe Korea in church tonight. Watch this. Brother Calvin, meet Brother Joe. He's been a member of Christ Center Church longer than you. Didn't I told y'all a long time ago that we were going to have people introduce themselves to other people that's been a part of the church? It just happened. It just happened. <laughs> it just happened. Amen. Joe, I'm Joe. I'm Calvin. Joe's been around a long time, and we thank God for him. We miss Barbara. Wish Barbara was here. But they've got, just like all of us, you know, we got so many other things working aside from what we have to do um, in our life. And so we got to keep Barbara in prayer. She's handling business down back in Florida. And Joe is up here because Joe want to handle some business too. <laughs> see, you see what I mean? Uh, what they say, Joe is good with the hands. If in case you don't know, I was telling the, the brothers, I said, listen, if we have time, anything you see and tell Joe about it, he thinks he can do. <laughs> Joe think he can build a house from, from the ground. From the ground up, Joe will build you a house if he have enough time. Mm. So I forgot what Joe said. His daughter needed a new chair and desk. This is how some people do it. And Joe looked at the chair and the desk that she was showing him that she needed him to buy. And Joe looked at the picture and says, I can make that. So Joe never bought it. Joe made it. So that, that, that tells you where we're coming from with Joe. <laughs> He's going to look at stuff. Oh, we can, we can fix that. No need to pay money for that. <laughs> but it's good to have Joe in the house of the Lord. Get Joe over to the building. Amen. I, gotta, I don't know who is more excited about the building, Joe or Brother Jones. <laughs> you all don't understand. Between Joe and Brother Jones, I don't know who is more excited about the building. You all think you all are excited. Joe or Brother Jones, I don't know who is more excited. So we'll just have to keep watching and see what happens. But I know Brother Sherman, man, he just loses it when he gets to the building. He just loses it. Oh. He came to help out today dressed to the nines. I said, Brother Jones, how you going to be dressed to the nines? And, you know, it's dusty around here. We got to lift stuff. Amen. Thank God for my little boy, Jordy. Jordan is on the Jordan is on the scene, helping out. Appreciate Jordan. He's he cares about the kingdom. I he's got, he doesn't. I don't do anything to make Jordan care about church. Jordan care about church. You hear me? Jordan brings stuff up to me about church all the time. He wants to be in meetings. He wants to understand things. I thank God for it. He want to know everything about the church. All in it. All in it. Amen. So. He's um, he had work done to his mouth today at the dentist. And I mean, he could barely talk mouth bleeding. He says, Dad, I want to go to the building. He was at the building today, wiping off chairs with his mouth bleeding and everything. Helped me took some wood back that we got some money back from the wood from what we used that was left over. Went with me. So he just cared about it. And I never I don't I didn't tell him, come on, Jordan, let's go. He's telling me, Dad, let's go. So. And he wanted to go back this evening again. I said, nah, just take some medicine because you're, you're in bad shape a little bit here. So, and, and then today, guess who we had at the, um, at, the, um, at the building today helping us out? I walked in. I said, who's that over there? It was CJ. 
You know how much I love CJ. <laughs> CJ scrubbing the floor. Oh, my goodness. Working hard. Yeah, CJ, CJ was scrubbing the floor, working hard. So we have a good time. This, it's been nothing but great positivity, um, just getting our church building ready and the camaraderie and being together and um, all that we have to do to get it ready. God has been good to us, so we just keep thanking him for it. Let's stand, let's pray and get into the word of God. I'll make a mention of a couple of things. Amen. Ask God to have his way tonight in this place. You all going to miss this place? M- Mama Thomas, I talked about you the other day. I said, you're going to enter the building. <laughs> I said, she's going to enter the building and says, where is going to be my seat now? <laughs> so she's going to have to figure out a new seat. So I thought about her today. So you're going to figure out a seat for you and Mama Allen or just you? Okay. You're going to be alive and well. Don't worry about that. So you'll figure out the seat. You, you'll you sit next to Mama Allen still? Okay. Okay. Just checking. But we thought about you the other day. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you tonight, Lord, for your goodness. We're so grateful that you have brought us together one more time. Oh, my God. We love you so much, Jesus. We're so grateful to be a part of your kingdom and to be involved with the business of the kingdom. Lord, we continue to humble ourselves before you that you may have the preeminence, the reign, and the rule over us, Lord God. And that, Lord Jesus, we will follow after you, seek after you, and do the things that you want us to do, Lord God. We humbly look to you, Lord Jesus, to say, have your way in our hearts, in our minds, Lord God, in our deeds, almighty God. We want your kingdom come. We want your will to be done. Oh, God, continue to bind us together in unity and give us strength, Lord God, and, and, and continue, Lord God, to open up, oh, God, the vision even more to us that we may perceive it and know it and, Lord, help to establish it. Have your way, Lord. We ask that the gifts of the Spirit will operate in the midst of the congregation of your people as we have come together one more time, Lord God, by faith faith. Let your will be done in this house, Lord God. That tonight, Lord Jesus, just for this little while, as we dig into the word of God, that you will speak to our hearts, that you will give us direction, that you will help us, almighty God, to hold fast to the word and to cling to our faith more now than ever before. Have your way, sweet Jesus. Bless your great people, Lord God, that are here tonight. Those who have Join us, Lord God, online. Will you bless them tonight, Lord God? Have your way tonight, Lord God, as we ask your guidance upon our Bible study. We praise you, we honor you, and we thank you tonight, Lord, for all these things we pray and we ask you in Jesus' name. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Clap your hands unto the Lord and thank you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. 
you make a note. I told, I always ask the leaders to remind me to make a note of things. Um, spread the word. When you log on to 5 a.m. prayer for our Zoom 5 a.m. prayer meeting, please either turn your camera to the wall, turn your camera to the ceiling, or turn off your camera immediately when you log in. Leave the voice on so we can hear you pray, but cameras, turn it off because I think sometimes we think we turned off our cameras and it didn't get turned off and we're, you know, praying and doing other things and the camera is capturing what we're doing and we don't know. So be sure cameras are turned off or turned to the wall or to the ceiling where no one can see you because nobody needs to see your wake up face except for your spouse and your children. No one needs to know what you're doing at 5 a.m. in the morning. So make sure you spread the word that everybody is mindful when they log on to Zoom for 5 a.m. prayer that you don't show things that will hinder people from praying. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. We've been talking about, since I've been teaching, um, started teaching on the series of Be Ye Holy. And um, I didn't get to teach last week because I was in Louisiana. And so I'm back, and I'm back on the topic of Be Ye Holy. Um, we talked about a few things, but the thing I want to remind you about um, that we talked about was that holiness is the word of God. When the Bible says, be ye holy, it's God's word telling us to be holy because I feel like from what I'm watching and what I'm hearing, I, I believe sometimes Christians, saints of God, are comparing holiness to standards in the church. And holiness and standards are two different things, right? Holiness, to be holy, is the word of God. It says, if you are not holy, you will not see the Lord. So holiness is doctrine. It's God's word. Standards are things that we implement according to the principles of the Bible. So, for instance, what is a standard that we may implement in the church that may not be biblical, but we can say it's, you know, a principle that we want to be sure that we establish and a principle thank you sir a principle standard that we can say well this is not you know according to you know um, the word of god according to doctrine but it's something that's important um, that we must do so for instance a standard would be if i am a man i don't want to be alone with a woman by myself same thing for the woman if you're a woman you don't want to be you if you're going to be with a man by yourself or you're going to be by with a woman by yourself it needs to be in the public where everybody can see now that's not written in the bible but that's a standard that will help you because it's a principle there's a scripture that says in the bible in case you don't know that a woman a man should not touch a woman if she ain't his wife because touching can stimulate. Right? So 
if if I say don't touch, that's biblical. But if I say don't be alone, you can say, but I'm not touching. You follow what I'm saying? But good standard would be I'm not going to be with a woman by myself in a place that's not public. Because it's for our own safety. That's it. Now, some people say, I'm grown. I can handle myself. Take a drink on that. (laughs) Some people can. But the devil is strong. I'll be honest with you. Some people, they don't have any. They're... Whatever their experience has been in life, whatever is going on with them, they're not relational. So a person that's not relational, yeah, they probably can be with somebody in private by themselves and not worried about it. But never discount the devil. And even though you might not be relational and probably not thinking along the lines of nothing promiscuous, all of a sudden the devil worked in the background, and all of a sudden, you're doing something that's not even common to who you are. But yeah, some people can be with people because they're like, there's there's no longing for no connection with anybody. They just want to be with themselves. So I understand that. But most people are not like that. So you don't want to be by yourself with the opposite sex. So holiness is the word of God. That we must obey as Christians. Standards are different. And so we must make sure we pay attention to that. That when we're talking about certain things. It's not a, it, it, it's not a discussion of should we or should we not do it. Because if it's in the Bible we must do it. Amen. Holiness must involve separation from the world. Somebody say amen. 2 Corinthians 6 and 17. What does it say? Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord. Let's look at this a little closer. The Bible says, wherefore, come out from among them. Where is the scripture telling us to come out from among, come out from among them? Who is the them? Come out from among them. Who is the them, church? Unbelievers, our world. So we must come out from among unbelievers. So as a believer, as a saint of God, we're not supposed to be trying to be like the unbelievers. Because the Bible says, come out from among them. Now, I've said this to you many times. The unbelievers need to be saved. But you can't save them while you're still being like them. The unbelievers, God loves them and they need to be saved. And God will use us to help them get saved. But we cannot be effective in helping them get saved if we're like them. That's one of the trick of the devil to make a lot of saints of God think that 
as long as I'm, you know, I'm believing in God. I don't care what y'all think about how I look and what I, I'm, I'm, I'm reaching them. But people, people, if you're trying to tell somebody what's right, they need to look at your life and see that your life is saying something, the same thing that you're saying, and that they can compare, I'm talking about unbelievers, they can compare their life to yours and say, yeah, you're better than me. People don't listen to people that's the same as them. In their mind, what do you got to tell me? You're no different from me. This is why I've been telling the church for the longest that we have to live at the standard that God has called us to because people will not want to live for God if you and them are living the same way. If you get saved and you're no different from what you used to be, which is not the will of God, it's on you if it's like that, but if you get saved and you're still the same person doing the same thing meaning you're still living the same way why should your brother or sister get saved why should your neighbor get saved why should your co-worker get saved when they look at your life and says you're no different from me you're no more blessed than me but if you used to hang out with them and all of a sudden you came out from among them and you became separate and you start to live that life that god wants you to live and God start to bless you and provide for you and do great things in your life, now they can see a distinct difference between you and them. And so now when you tell them that Jesus loves them and Jesus wants to do great things in their life, now they're more apt to listen to you because they can see a clear difference. So the Bible says, come out from among them. So it doesn't make good sense for us to look like them if God is telling us to come out from among them. When you come out from among them, if you still look like them, are you come out from among them? Did you come out from among them if you still look like them? And so this is another thing that we're dropping the ball on that we think it's okay to look like everybody else as Christians and it's not okay. You do such a disservice to God because God, and, and this is not about anything else. You're doing a disservice to the Lord. Why? Because the Lord wants to use you to reach them, but if you look like them, he can't use you to reach them. So when we look the way we want to, we do a disservice to God. Because how does he send us? And how does he allow us to be effective when we are no different looking from them? But when we are living according to the holiness of the Lord and according to his principles and all of his word, then when he sends us, he can back us. So we need to come out from among them and we need to be separate. Separate meaning you can tell the difference. This is the word of God. As Christians, people need to look at you and tell the difference between you and them. If, if they can't tell the difference between you and them, you're not separate. Hmm. Go on to say, touch not the unclean thing, meaning keep yourself pure. Don't defile yourself. Don't do things that defile you. Worldly, worldliness will defile you because worldliness is unclean. So we don't want to touch the unclean thing. We don't want to touch the unclean thing. 
what does the world say? All that's in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. I want to make, whenever I teach, I want you to understand what I'm saying. So, so what is worldliness? It's a lot. But let's just stick with what the scripture says for all that's in the world. The lust of the flesh. So when you start lusting after things, you're being worldly. The pride of life. When you start to allow yourself, and, and by the way, when you do what you want, that's pride. Pride don't always mean I'm, I think I'm better than you. Pride don't always mean look at me. Pride means when I do what I want instead of what God wants, I'm being prideful. So all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. When, when, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm prideful, when I make it about me and not about God, that is prideful, you're being worldly. You are defiled. The lust of the eyes. You see things that you're lusting after. Oh, I like that. Lust of the flesh. You're desiring things that you shouldn't have. Those are all worldly things. I'm just giving you the baseline for how you can figure out if you're being worldly or not. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. When those things are working, you're being worldly. And God wants you to come out from among that. He wants you to be separate from that. He doesn't want you to touch the unclean thing. And so this is what we're talking about when we talk about be ye holy. We have to be different from the world to reach the world. What do I say all the time? If two people are stuck in a hole, they can't help each other. Not until one get out and get out of the hole, then can they help the other one come out. But while they're both down in there, they can't help each other. But somehow the church, no, let me not say the church, members of God's church are trying it. We're trying to be like the world and reach the world. We're trying to look like the world and reach the world. <laughs> okay. I'm just taking my time with the Holy Ghost meeting. Having a crowd at your church don't mean you're reaching the world. People coming in and getting emotional and being baptized in Jesus' name don't mean that you're reaching people. I've started to hear years ago, you started seeing books written, preachers preach about closing the back door. And that came about because people would come to church, they would become emotional, they would give their life to Christ, baptize in Jesus' name, and after a couple of weeks you can't find them. Is that really reaching people? Because if the church is going to make a difference, we're going to have to reach people when, when they come in and they get baptized, we disciple them. That's reaching people. What he says, bring forth fruit that your fruit may remain. <laughs> so in order for us to accomplish what God is saying, come out from among them. 
and be ye separate and touch not the unclean thing. We have to be like that in order to effectively reach people. So when we see people get baptized, doesn't mean that we're practicing this. When we see a crowd in a church, doesn't mean we're practicing this. When we see people coming in and being born again of the water and of the spirit and being discipled till they become a Christian, a saint of God, and they now repeat the cycle of them reaching somebody, now we're doing something. Now we're doing something. Have you discipled anyone and the person that you have discipled, have they discipled anyone? Now we're moving. Now that's effective. That's very important. God demands an external witness of our internal holiness. <laughs> God demands an external witness of our internal holiness. I say it all the time. Just in a natural course, just remember again, God uses the natural to help us to understand the spiritual, right? So what goes in your body that never comes out? I'm waiting. What do you ingest that don't come out? Nothing. So... How are we going to convince ourselves and others that we're holy even though we don't look like it? Because the natural law says whatever we ingest is coming out in some way, shape, or form. Whether it's through sweat, whether it's through bowel movements, let me say it nice, bowel movements, whether it's, it's, it's you know, pain, just just. Whatever you ingest, it's going to manifest on the outside at some point in time. So for us to have a good explanation of, I know I'm holy on the inside and nobody has to tell me how to look. When they say that next time to me, I don't think nobody ever say that to me, but if they ever say it to me, I'm going to say, from now on, I want you to eat and never go to the bathroom. I want you to drink and never go to the bathroom. Let's see how that works. <laughs> you will hear me keep repeating Romans 12, 1 and 2. You heard me read it before. I'll read it again. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen to this. We are not saved by works, but we are saved unto works. We are not saved by works. But we are saved unto works. What do you mean by all that, preacher? All right. James 2 and 14. 
What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he had faith and have not works? Can faith save him? So you can't do stuff to be saved because Jesus was the only one that could do anything for us to be saved. But at the same time, when you get saved, there must be evidence by the works that you do. James 2 and 17 says, even so faith, if it had not works, is dead being alone. Ye are yea, a man say, yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. So, as I said before, we are not saved by works, but we are saved unto works. I got one for you. If you're a good Bible scholar or you study your Bible just enough, have you ever noticed that to every church, when you read Revelations um, 2 and 3, to every church, God says, I know thy works. They all have faith. All those churches have faith. But God pronounces judgment and blessings on each church based on works. He told all of them, I know your works. So, yes, we can't do work to save us, but as we are saved, there must be works. Holiness is not a means of earning salvation, but a result of receiving salvation. So really, holiness comes down to because I am now saved, I'm grateful to be a part of God's glorious kingdom. It's an honor and a privilege for me to be holy. That's how holiness must be approached. I am so, so grateful. I am so honored to be a part of God's family that I will live holy. You will see holiness demonstrated by me because it's such a wonderful privilege to be a part of God's kingdom. The scripture says, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. <laughs> Psalms 96 and 9 says, oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. We can't even come before God without being holy. Interesting thought. God will come to us. God will come to us in our sin to reach us. But God will not accept us being sinful after we have been reached to come before him. You follow what I'm saying? So when we don't know any better, because God cannot be defiled by sin, when we don't know any better and we're in sin, he reaches us wherever we are, however he needs to. But after he reaches us and we become saved, born again, and we start, and we start living for God, 
when we sin again, the Bible says that we break communion with him. Yes, sin separates us from God. But I thought sin separated us from God. So how is God coming to us when we were first sinners? Because God put a lot of weight on what you know. When you know better, do better. And God put a lot of weight on that. If you read a lot of the Apostle Paul writing, he talked about how he persecuted the church ignorantly. So think about that. He's the great example I'm talking about. He was persecuting the church ignorantly, yet and still God met him on Damascus Road. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Isn't he a sinner, God? Why you even have any dealings with him? He's a sinner. He didn't know any better. When Jesus hung on the cross, forgive them, for they know not what. They're sinners. They don't know. So he digged down and reached down to reach the sinner who are sinning ignorantly. But it becomes a different story when you become a saint and you start doing those things. God gave me a revelation one time. I don't know if you want to call it revelation illumination or understanding but here is what he made me understand and i learned this i was taking classes at mercer county and i learned it there because i'm always asking god questions and i had a professor i felt like the woman was anointed but she didn't look holy i said god what's up with that And that's when the Lord began to deal with me that all of our life in Christ is a process. He's taking you from here to here to here, and he's taking you. And I felt like he was showing me that she can be anointed, but there's some other things that she might not know yet because she hasn't got there yet. And then he got me to understand But some of you, you already know. You've already experienced what was right. And then you have made a decision to go backwards and do what you came away from. Hear me. I don't need any explanation. I'm not shooting at nobody. But you're not going to get me used to look a certain way when I used to live in the world. I used to look a certain way. I used to look a certain way. And I came into church and I repented of my sins. I got baptized in Jesus' name. God filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I start living for him. I start serving him. I'm, I'm now being transformed. Little by little, I'm tra- being transformed. Little by little, until that day come where I'm holy on the inside and on the outside and totally transformed and look differently. When you see me, you got to do a second take. And then one day I decided, ah, that ain't necessary. I'm Let me back up a little bit because I don't see what's the big deal of not being this way. And you forgot that's where you were coming from. Why do you think it's okay to go back that way? 
Why do you think it's not a big deal for going back that way? And why you didn't stand on your own too back when, when, when you felt God working in your life to tell you that you need to look holy inside and outside? Why at that time you didn't stand your ground and say, I ain't doing that? Why did you do it and then decide I ain't doing it no more? I don't have to give people scripture anymore about a whole lot of stuff. God has given me so much insight and so much wisdom on so many things that I don't need to always take it. Obviously, you want to know the word of God. And if you're interested in me teaching you the word of God, I will. But if you just want to try to state your case as to why you want to do whatever you want to do, I'm not taking you to the word because you want to do what you want to do anyway. So I just give you some common sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I just gave it to you there. I'm not going back to look like what I used to look like. I can imagine, man. All the people that know I got saved, they finally realize I don't look the way I used to look anymore. They finally realize, you know, things are different with me now. And they're like, man, so-and-so changed. He ain't like he used to be. And then five, seven, ten, fifteen years later, I go back to looking like when they met me, when they knew me. And I'm trying to explain. Yeah, what am I going to tell them? How do I keep my witness? How do I continue to tell them what I was exposed to from the very beginning was real when I changed it? Why should they believe anything else I say? Because I, I changed it. All you got to do is change that thing. And they're going to say, either they're going to say, your stuff ain't real, or they're not going to believe anything you tell them after that. It is a grievous error to think it's okay to have internal holiness, but no external holiness. Having holiness on the inside while remaining unaffected on the outside is grievous. It's a grievous error before God. We must have holiness both inside and outside. We must ask ourselves, how does our internal holiness affect or affects our external lifestyle? It goes without saying that external compliance of holiness is worthless before God unless there's also an internal reality of holiness. So let me explain that to you. So you're in the church. You believe in holiness. You're looking like you're holy. You're holy on the inside, holy on the outside. And then you start realizing that there are some people in the church that are hypocrites. You kind of start to learn some things about some people in the church that they're not right. And that when they come to church, they put on, but you know what they do when they're not in the church building. And so now you're saying, in your mind, or if you're talking to your buddy, she a hypocrite, she a hypocrite, he a hypocrite. And you start going down the line that they're hypocrites because you know how they live, but yet and still they're wearing this in front of everybody. You're going to let that make you now start doing it? Because that's what usually happens. That's why, church, be careful when you talk about people. 
the thing you talk about people, you will start to do. I've been around. I've been around. I know my Bible, and I've seen it. As soon as you start criticizing somebody about something, sooner or later you're going to find yourself doing it. So that's what happened to a lot of people. They started criticizing people that they felt like were hypocrites. And they started presenting themselves as one. When you see people deliberately being a hypocrite, when you see people struggling, love them and pray for them. Love them and pray for them. Don't go elbow your best buddy. You see, she, him, I wouldn't have them people nowhere around me. That's what we do. Instead of loving them and praying for them and being a godly example to them. Let them see somebody that they can say, you know what? I hung with some people that really wasn't right. But man, so-and-so put their arms around me, always prayed for me. Always showed me love and never criticized one thing that I did that was hypocritical. So church, be careful when you criticize people. Also, I was just telling my mother this. I was talking to her the other day. And I was saying, we need to become better teachers in every way. Foreigners are terrible at this. Foreigners like to tell you what they know, but they very seldom explain it. Y'all quiet. I know what I'm talking about. They love to tell you what they know and that you need to be doing it, but they never explain it. And people do better when you explain things to them. But if you just want to tell them because the Bible says... You just make an enemy. Can we do better at that, please? God is getting ready to give us revival like we've never seen. And I don't want to push nobody out of the church. I'm reading a book that's called Church Junkie, small book. And I might even take some things out of there. I got some good thoughts out of it that I can bring to the church and preach, teach on it. But one of the things that Church Junkie talked about is how churches have their rules. And a lot of rules are made for a purpose and a reason. Usually smart people make rules up because it's for a good reason. So check this out in the book Church Junkie. Um, a, a young guy, his father was the pastor. Young guy invited some of his school friends to church. He said, all right, we're coming. They came to church. The young guy's in church, and he's there with, with his friends, and they're sitting there, and church is going on. And then all of a sudden, the usher walked over. And the guys, you know, they're not, they don't know anything about church. They're looking around like, what is, this person's weird. <laughs> Why are they doing this in front of me? Finally, the usher said, Gum. guy took his gum out, put it in the usher hand, usher walked away. 
kids never came back to church. Because church can have rules that make sense when you made it, but it still might not be a good way to keep people in the church that don't know your rules. So churches have to be careful, even when they have good rules, how they implement those rules. So I thought about that for a moment, and because I'm always trying to reach the lost, I said, so sad. Because if that usher was a soul-saving usher and liked to reach the lost, you know what that usher would have done? Leave the kids alone. And after church, and check under the bottom. Why did they make the rule no gum in church? Just think about that. Why do you think they did it? Because kids eat gum and put it under the, 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 the pews. It's no other reason. Because it doesn't make sense to say don't eat gum. Except for if when you eat the gum. You... So if you cared about souls as an usher, you would leave those kids alone and pray while they're there. God, touch them while they're here tonight. God, will you move on those kids so they will come back, so they will fall in love with you, and they will come to know you, and they will repent and get baptized and get saved. Lord, use them to make a difference in their high school. And that's what you're praying the whole time. And you're just every time they turn and they see you, you're smiling. And when they leave, you don't say one word to nobody. Check under the pew. Oh, they didn't leave any gum. Cool. But if they leave gum, take the gum off, and you don't have to say nothing else to them. You're trying to reach them. We got to be careful. Do we say we love people? How do we handle them? How do we, we have to be careful of church rules that don't help people to get saved. We have to be careful that we're not so interested in telling people what we know that we can't teach. I feel like a lot of people that once was holy internally and externally started backing up on their holiness way of living because they probably didn't understand it a lot. They just adapted, adopted to what they saw everybody else doing, but they never got to understand it for themselves. This is why I try to teach as much as I can on subjects, especially that I know church struggle with or might not have a lot of insight on. But be holy, because holiness is not a standard. Holiness is doctrine. It really is. Salvation is a free gift. But sanctification is a costly experience that requires works. I was just listening to Adam Hunley preach before I came here. Man, every time that guy preached, seasoned men of God and women of God go on their face. He don't call off the call. He preached so pure. He preached so pure. That as he's preaching, people just start walking to the altar. People that's what we would consider to be, you know, elders that's been doing this a long time. Because somehow God used that young man to preach in such a way that is so pure that people just get on their faces. 
but it's because he's holy. And I told you all it's a secret about holiness that when you exhibit holiness, the power of God just emanates in your life. Think about when we fast. When we go on any fast and we don't eat and we consecrate ourselves, I don't know if you notice it, that the power of God is just hovering. The power of God is just ready to move when we all fast and we fast from, you know, and, and keep ourselves consecrated. The power of God. So there is something special along with God saying being holy. I know for 100 percent sure that part of that thing that happens when you're holy is the power of God emanating from your life because God is working through you in such a pure form you're not blocking the power of God from working through you and when we get involved with so many things and 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 you know we don't kill the flesh then we block what the presence of God can do in our lives so we don't understand how powerful holiness we think that you know why y'all making such a big deal about what people wear your mind on the wrong thing. God knows. You've heard me said this before and I'll say it again. God is the one that's supposed to call us to the ministry, the church that we are a part of. And if God calls you to the church that you're a part of, knowing that he's calling you to that church to serve in that church, why would you not just do everything that it's being taught and preached in that church, knowing that it's God that called me here, and whatever the man of God is preaching and teaching, God knew that would be preached and teach or taught in the church, so I just need to go with it and not worry about it. Why don't we have that kind of mindset? Is it because we don't think God called us to the church? What, what is it? If God called us there, why are we afraid to do everything that's being preached that's biblical? If God called us there. Got to think about that. I'll stop there. I remember when I first started going to church, and this is nowhere, no means me trying to tell you something about me that's better than anyone, but I'm just telling you my thoughts so I can see if your thought came down that road. I just remember when I first went to church, everything that was biblical that I heard, I believed it and I did it because I believe God. I've been saying for the longest, and I teach this to young people because it's hard when life when you're growing up as a young person and life is easy for you and you get what you want and, you know, everything is there for you. And so when you start to come under a leadership, a godly leadership that will um, that will have authority and you have to submit to that authority, sometimes it could be challenging for young people and even not so young people. And I keep saying to the young people, God gave me a revelation a long time ago. 
that submission has nothing to do with people. But submission has everything to do with you and your relationship with God. You're submitting because you trust God completely. That's why you're submitting. Take your eyes off of the man of God and put your eyes on God. Because I just knew in my heart of hearts, I just knew from what I knew about God, that God will not allow the pastor to take advantage of me. God will not allow the pastor to do me wrong where it's going to, I don't know, ruin my life. So no matter what, I never worried about it. And God knew that my obedience to my pastor was my relationship with God. I had nothing to do with my pastor. Because if you're around any man, man of God, long enough, you're going to see that they're human just like you. So what will make you follow them to no end? Your relationship with God. Because you're going to know that they're a man just like you. They're not perfect. They don't make all the right decisions. But when you obey God, God honors you, bless you, provide for you, make a way for you, and his plans keep working in your life. And that's what I learned. So submission has nothing to do with, I don't trust nobody like that. He a man just like me. He make mistakes just like me. Some of that stuff you hear him say, some of that stuff ain't right. Okay. You are probably right about that. But are you following him or you're following God? I learned that when I follow what God tells the man of God to preach to us, whatever the man of God preached to us, when I follow that, I secure my covering in God. And if anything goes wrong, I can go to God in prayer and say, God, I was only doing it because your leader that is over me told me to do it. And that's what I'm doing. And you never told me, God, not to do it. Got to learn God. And so when you approach God like that, God already knows that you're going to approach him like that. So he's not going to allow some bad decision or some bad thing that somebody says, your leader says, to be the thing that doom you. God won't do it. God's going to say, because of your obedience, I'm going to bless you no matter what. Because of your faithfulness, I'm going to bless you no matter what. has nothing to do with the man that's standing in that sacred pulpit that God called to preach to you. has nothing to do with him. It has everything to do with your relationship with God, that you trust that God will make sure I'm good no matter who he's using. That's right and good relationship with God. When you have that kind of relationship with God, then you can sell out to whatever you're trying to do in the kingdom of God and you don't hesitate and you don't have to choose what you will do and what you won't do because it all don't matter because I'm doing it unto the Lord. Right, Brother Scarlett? I can put you in that conversation. I know whatever that man does, he does it unto the Lord. Not doing it unto man. And when you get to that place in your walk with God, you're you in, in a good place. That whatever you're doing, you're doing it unto the Lord. You're not doing it unto man. How you look 
I'm not doing it unto man. I'm doing it unto the Lord. When I pray, I'm not doing it unto man. I'm doing it unto the Lord. Whatever I do, I am doing it unto the Lord because only what we do for Christ will I'm doing it all unto the Lord. I hope that you all do it all unto the Lord. Being holy is unto the Lord, not unto people. People are going to say, Sister Scarlett, Christ-centered church. I don't know if I want to mess with them because they, they, they still holding on to holiness. <laughs> Y'all spread the word and tell them, yeah, our pastor getting a little crazy with it. Because it looked like the more people go south, the more he go north. <laughs> the more people go south, the more pastor go north. You know, but can I tell you this last thing? As a man of God, especially as a leader of God, whenever you start seeing things that people are doing that's ungodly, it grieves your spirit, the Holy Ghost. It grieves the Holy Ghost. And so when I stand before you, the Holy Ghost is grieved. And I'm speaking in a way of the grievance of the Holy Ghost because God is not pleased that we once did this and now we no longer do it and we're justifying and it's grieving God. And so when you hear me speak with that passionately about it, it's because the Holy Ghost is grieved. It's not because I'm trying to give anyone a hard time. It's just the Holy Ghost is grieved and saying that was never my intent for my people. That was never what I wanted to happen for my people. So that's what you're seeing. It's not because I'm trying to go against anyone or anything. It's the Holy Ghost being grieved. Because I know, I've been telling you, God has called us, not just us, but so many Christians, to make a difference in this end time revival in the Northeast. I've been telling you this, that all the Bible belts have seen revival. And God, one thing I love about him, he loves to do what everybody thinks is impossible. And everybody think it's impossible for the Northeast to have revival. And I can't tell you how much I feel strongly that the more everybody thinks it's impossible for God to have a holy and righteous church uh, in the Northeast, I believe that he's getting ready to do it. We're getting ready to see a whole lot of churches raise up, be holy, and be righteous in the Northeast. We're getting ready to see churches being launched uh, and people will keep holy lifestyle and living. We're getting ready to see it. God want to do it. As soon as you think that it's getting loose and it's getting crazy, God said, no, no, no. It's getting like that because I'm getting ready to do something. The devil always know a little bit before a lot of us when God is getting ready to do something extraordinary. And when he, when he knows God is getting ready to do something extraordinary, he starts messing with people to step outside of their blessing. He starts doing stuff for people to abandon their blessing. So when you see stuff start going crazy for the wrong way, God get ready to do something. Let's stand. Be ye holy. Hallelujah. Anybody love the Lord? We're, we're, we're part of the kingdom because we love Jesus. We love him because he first loved us. And once we come to know him, we fell in love with him, and we want to do everything we can unto him to please him. Oh, I love you, Lord. I love you. I don't want to know no other life but this life. 
I am so grateful that I come to, that God called me and now I know who he is. I don't want to know no other life. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I got a call from one of my siblings today and he was just telling me how he just heard a lot of bad news. You know, stuff is going wrong for him. <coughs> and I keep on asking myself, what can we do? I don't know. I'm asking for myself too. What can we do with our families that have seen our life change? And we're living a different life. And we are blessed. And things seem to be going good for us. But they don't want to listen to what we have to tell them about the Lord. Man, God. I wish I, I have the answer. But I don't have the answer yet. I don't know if you get the answer. Come and let me know. But they see our lifestyle. They see the change. They know we was once, for some of us anyway, we were once living like them and probably even worse than them in some of our cases. And they watch God turn our life around and now we're different. And they're still in the same predicament, doing the same thing and asking us, how can we help them? But they don't want the help that we have to give them. <coughs> I don't know. Let's pray. Pray for our families. And pray that God will help us to be a better witness in every way. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word tonight. We're so grateful, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing in your church. And we are a part of your church. Lord, you have given us a life that we could have never dreamed of. You've allowed us to experience, Lord God, spiritual blessings in high places. And, oh, God, we're so grateful. We bow down before you. We worship and adore you. We magnify your name. We glorify your name. Ah, oh, God, there is none like you. <laughs> you are the great I am. You are the everlasting Father. You are the wonderful Counselor. You are the Prince of Peace, Lord. You are the high and lofty one. Jesus, there is none that can compare to you. You are the only wise God, the only true and living God. It is you alone that sits on the throne and rule and reign. You are sovereign. And oh God, how we are just in awe of you. It doesn't matter how long we have known you, Lord. We're still in awe. We will always be in awe because you're so, oh God, amazing. Have your way tonight in us. The words that have gone forward tonight, let them take root and let them grow and produce good fruit in our heart. Use us, Lord God, as your instrument, as your conduit, Lord God, that we can do your will. I pray tonight, Lord, for you to use us to be your witness like never before. Lord, we might not have been the best witness that we can be for you, but will you touch us tonight that we will become better witnesses for you, O oh God. We want to become better witnesses for you, almighty God. We want to become better examples for you, Lord God. We want to make a difference, Lord. Yes, Lord, I know some are just rebellious. Some are stubborn. Some, oh God, don't want to be changed. Don't want to be transformed. But Lord, the ones that do, will you use us, Lord Jesus, to help them? The ones that do, Lord God, will you use us to be that example unto them? The ones that do, Lord. 
Lord. Will you use us, Lord God, that they can be delivered and saved to become a saint of the Most High God. Use us today, oh God, and continuously to reach the lost, to raise them up, to disciple them, Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that we will be holy. Help us to be ye holy as you are holy. Bless us as we go tonight from this place. Let your hands be upon us, Lord God, and let your spirit rule and reign and have preeminence. Bless our families, Lord. Help them to look to you. I want our families to see the God that we serve in us, Lord God, that they will turn to you, Lord God. Let our families see you in us, Lord God, that they will turn to you. Oh God, we love you. Bless our families, our homes, almighty God, our loved ones that are not saved. We want them to be saved, Lord. Help us, Lord. Use us, almighty God, in a mighty, mighty way. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be your name, O oh God. Blessed be your name, O oh God. In Jesus' name. Don't forget, building fund, if you have anything to give toward the building fund tonight, we appreciate it. We need helpers tomorrow at the building. If you can come out, come and help us. Uh, we can use help in the morning. We can use help 6.30 tomorrow evening. And next Friday and Saturday, we'll need help too all day. So whatever you can do to help us, please help. We're getting the building ready for you. God bless you and have a wonderful rest of your evening. Just as I am.